What up, what up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode number 44 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. This episode is going to be a random rant episode. And not completely random because I have a few things that I'm planning on covering. But you guys know the drill by now. I'm not going to be focused on any specific free writing pieces. Uh, It's not in a short story audiobook. It's not an interview. Uh, So it's pretty much just a random random rant of a few things. And uh, those things are, as per the description that I wrote here, a couple of YouTube shows that I'm into. And... They are Dana White's looking for a fight via the UFC channel and also Action Bronson's Fuck That's Delicious via the Vice channel. I think I've spoken about both in the past. I'm not positive, but I'm going to in this episode. So if you're interested, stick around for that. Also, I'm going to be speaking about a new character development feature that I'm messing around with on Scrivener. And for those of you that don't know, Scrivener is a writing program that I was introduced to a few months ago, and it was absolutely monumental in being able to uh, format myself and publish, self-publish a my first book, which is available in the episode notes. Uh, for those of you that that are interested, uh, there's a link in there to sponsoraycom forward slash books. I have a little video. It's like a two-minute video explaining what the book is about as well as a description and a couple of audio excerpts, which, by the way, those audio excerpts you guys can listen to on here, too, through this uh, like podcast channel. They're sprinkled throughout in between episodes. They don't, they're the ones, there's three of them as of right now, and they are the ones that do not have uh, episode numbers in front of it. Like, this one is episode number 44, uh, there's uh, three titles that do not have numbers, and those are the audio excerpts that I'm referring to from the from that same book. Anyway, point is that Scrivener was monumental in helping me uh, format that book, both uh, the paperback copy and the audiobook version. All of it is very user-friendly done through Scrivener. That's not a word, right? And there's mad shit that you could do with it, with Scrivener. Um, I don't know of fucking hundredth probably of its capabilities, but I uh, just started messing with a feature uh, for character development um, for anybody interested in writing novels or anything like that, which I think is pretty dope. And I'm going to speak to you guys a little bit about that. I'm also going to speak about some 2016 election stuff, which, by the way, uh, for those of you uh, fellow New Yorkers out there, the primary in New York and probably for other sta- a few other states too, but for New York, the primary election is April 19th, 2016. Tuesday, April 19th, 2016. So for those of you that think that uh, you have until November... Uh, to vote for, you know, Hillary and Bernie and Ted Cruz and Trump and stuff like that, you don't. So the only one time that you will have the ability to vote if you're a registered Democrat for and between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders is this 
not this Tuesday, but uh, two Tuesdays from now, um, April 19th, 2016, you, if you are a registered Democrat, you will be able to vote in the Democratic primary for either Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. And same thing for Republicans, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for Republicans. Um, should work the same way. I'm not positive, though, if they have the same exact primary day or not. But it is primary day, so it would make sense for uh, if you are a registered Republican for you to be able to vote for Donald Trump. Please don't. Or Ted Cruz. Please don't. Just kill yourselves. Um, that would also be April 19th. 2016 so two weeks from now then that is the primary election then whoever you vote for there for example if you vote for uh, bernie sanders over hillary clinton and bernie winds up winning and then he has enough votes um not just popular votes but the electoral votes i'm not going to bore you guys with the details of that um go listen to the how elections work episode uh, that i did a few episodes ago um, but what you're voting for is who the eventual nominee will be that will go represent the party, whether you're the Democratic or the Republican Party in November. And then in November, you'll be voting for the president of the United States. But now is the time to vote. The only time you'll get to vote because we're only sending one person in uh, to the election in November. So it's not like November's going to come around and you get to pick between uh, Trump, Cruz, Hillary, and Bernie. You know, the time to choose between them is now and uh, place your bets, basically. Then uh, I'm going to round off the episode with speaking about the Federal Reserve uh, stress tests, uh, recent ones, because they do them all the time, and the possibility of a deep recession between 2016 and 2019 per economist and investor john molden sounds boring but it's kind of interesting to me anyway so if you're into that type of shit stick around and um yeah that's pretty much what the episode is going to be about oh you know what separate from all that some crazy shit happened today on the subway on the way to work um not that I witnessed personally, but that affected the commute for tons of people. Uh, some people, some of my coworkers, and um, wound up getting to work late, and also at my at my girl's job as well. And I all I had heard um, didn't really look into it or anything like that. So take um, what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. Uh, because it's like second, third, fourth, fifth hand information. Um, but I did hear that someone fell on the tracks. And it was on the R train. On the R line. And um, supposedly, and now this is, that I heard that from, from a co-worker. So um, that's why like he was late or whatever. And then um, according to my girl and i'm not sure where she heard this so if it's wrong you guys can all get pissed and uh blame her for it but supposedly the the part of the person falling on the tracks was corroborated through her story and she heard that somebody was trying to steal somebody's iphone or some shit like that and to get away from the cops they jumped down onto the tracks 
but they hit like that third rail or whatever and got electrocuted and like couldn't move and couldn't get up or whatever so they had to shut off the electricity in the subway which affected obviously not just the r train but a bunch of other trains and that's why there were massive delays to get down into the tracks and like get the person or whatever and um yeah some sick shit welcome to new york city folks stay in your own towns boogity 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 no <laughs> it's not that bad um and staying with the gloom and doom theme let's speak about the federal reserve a little bit so uh, don't worry it's not like a jekyll island uh federal reserve conspiracy theory type of thing that i'm gonna get into it's um i followed this dude online and he is a an economist and an investor uh john molden is his name he was named he came in very close second supposedly by the motley fool as one of the smartest and savviest investors of 2015 so that's saying a lot came in second to warren buffett um and he's uh by my accounts which wouldn't take much but by uh, all intents and purposes how do you say that um seems like a very knowledgeable person within that realm he puts out a a weekly newsletter called thoughts from the frontline which you guys uh if you're into you know uh wall street and global markets and what drives the world economy and that type of shit um i suggest you guys uh check it out i recommend it um i read through some of them not all of them because it's very it's it's not like reading a an interesting novel or something like that it's it's dense but important material um and it's tons of shit tons of stuff that he puts out uh, for free and gives uh pretty ill breakdowns it's digestible um it's it's cited it's uh sourced and uh but it's just like pages and pages of shit like he has uh, an open letter to the next president of the united states uh, which is by now i think a four or five piece uh like uh newsletter uh thing that he's uh, spat out and in pieces and with graphs and charts and shit like that and he breaks down uh, a lot of different regions and one of them he broke down uh, south america and went into the economy of uh, a bunch of south american countries and mexico and he did the same with europe he did it with the uh, with asia um and how you know he co- connects the dots with how the global economy uh intertwines with the the u.s economy and vice versa and the challenges that the next president of the united states will inevitably have to face and gives different options and 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 um advice if you will and stuff like that it's pretty interesting to read again if you're into stuff like that and if you're not then it's probably going to be boring as shit because i know there's certain um quote academic type things like that that I couldn't get into if I tried or if you paid me or whatever. Um, one thing that stood out to me, which I, I learned a little bit about um, through a few of his readings of of his newsletters, is that the Federal Reserve does something called stress tests. 
now definitely check me out on the facts on some of the stuff here um you know i just want to introduce the topic to you guys you guys do obviously your own research and shit like that just in case i butcher any of this stuff but the the ability for the fed to do stress tests on big banks uh were was granted via the uh dot frank so the purpose of the stress tests, as i understand them are to test the solvency of big banks and the markets in general and how you know how strong we are or they are rather and essentially try to foresee and avoid uh, you know catastrophes like uh the uh 2008 collapse that we all went through and that's one of the uh see you know seems like common sense type of regulations that are put in were put in place is giving the fed the, the right and the, or the ability to run these stress tests and they've as far as i know i have always run these types of, of stress tests and for the markets as a whole but now they have more they were granted the ability to be more stringent i guess um and more intrusive with some of these big banks uh which whatever in my opinion they deserve that but I know a lot of people feel otherwise, and I would catch a lot of flack for that. And, um, you know, the whole free markets and let them do what they do type of thing. But I don't know. Everything in moderation, in my opinion. Um, the One of the stress tests that I found in, uh, most interesting that um, John Molden brought up, which, by the way, the link, there's a link in the episode notes if you guys do want to check out his newsletter um definitely check it out it's letters thoughts from the front line and um one of the stress tests that i felt was worth bringing up was the fed introducing negative interest rates or testing that um against big banks and that's a very important takeaway to understand that just because the fed runs a stress test um they run a lot of different types uh, for gloom and doom scenarios and, uh, you know, great scenarios and everything in between. So their job is to test a whole bunch of shit through their financial modeling. And just because they're testing something doesn't mean that it's in inevitability. But it is within the realm of possibility, I would think. If not, you know, why would they be testing it? So I found it, uh, but that's an important takeaway. So don't take this and say, oh my God, we're going to, you know, definitely go into a recession and the Fed is going to introduce negative interest rates. But I did find it very interesting because interest rates are um, at or close to zero, which were supposed to, which uh, monetary policy dictates that it's supposed to stimulate the purchasing power of the populace and that's supposed to stimulate the economy and so forth but that didn't happen so they can't so you can't go below zero in terms of interest rates and or so i thought at least but through um some reading i see that several european countries and the ecb being the european central bank and japan um, already established a negative interest rate policy. And now that the Fed is toying around with the idea of it, um, 
or at least uh, testing the you know through their modeling what the what how the markets would respond to negative interest rates in the system i was just taking a, a back by it a little bit and thought it'd be interesting to bring up now what would this mean exactly and what it is is picture a retirement fund that or like your 401k um or ira that earns less than zero percent or uh it could be you know cds savings accounts in the bank u.s bonds government bonds So accounts like that, which traditionally pay you interest, for example, your savings account at a bank doesn't pay you pretty much shit, but it pays you like 80 basis points or something like that, like 0.8, you know, depending on the bank, Chase, TD, um, 0.80% uh, interest on your money, right? Imagine that going to zero and then going below zero, which would mean that you're in essence being taxed for them to hold your money. But then you have, you know, accounts like your uh, CD, which pays a little bit more, um, and uh, government, U.S. government bonds, and your retirement accounts, which pay a little bit more as well, that you normally rely on. Now, or under these conditions of negative interest rates, you would be technically being taxed to, you would technically be paying them to hold your money. And most, you know, one thought is, you know, I'll just take my money out and, you know, keep it under the mattresses or something like that. But that's not practical. Think about, you know, a few hundred, a few thousand dollars or something like that is doable. But you're opening up yourself to a slew of other issues like burglary and robberies and stuff like that uh, because people are, are expecting, you know, money to be in people's homes. Um, but think, just think about when you're talking about, you know, big money like bigger amounts of money larger sums in terms of like retirement accounts and stuff like that and um people would pretty much be forced into uh paying that paying that tax essentially and it's definitely scary to think but it's a a possible reality and again you know several european countries are already doing this the ecb uh, european central bank has established uh, pol policies having to do with negative interest rate policy um, and uh, Japan as well. And um, Janet Yellen, the Federal Reserve Chair, is on record stating that... Uh, let me see. She stated that they may favor... Uh, the This negative interest rate policy may be in favor... If the economic situation in the U.S. warranted it. So basically she's saying if shit hit the fan, yes, we would implement this. Which sounds a little scary and nutty, but hopefully is just precautionary measures that are being taken. And don't get me wrong. So let's say something shit does hit the fan and something like this is implemented. I'm sure it's not going to be like, you know, you have a hundred bucks in, in, um, uh, your Chase savings account or something like that, and they're going to take out 50 for every 100 that you put in. It's probably going to be an, an individually insignificant amount like the interest that you get now currently. Like you get fucking, what, three cents for every X amount of dollars that you have, have in your savings account. Um, It might be, you know, something like that just in reverse, but it's still a bitch. You know what I mean? 
and just like the idea of heading in that direction like fix the fucking system something is off something is not working if your your trajectory is continuously going in that negative direction and that's uh, you know a lot of people are discouraged with the political process and stuff like that but the motherfuckers that are in there now are the ones that make these rules your vote does fucking count because somebody's vote counted to get the people that are in power in now so how does yours count any less you know what i mean will voting for let's say a bernie sanders over hillary clinton really bring about the the necessary revolutionary change that he uh, uh proposes uh in his throughout his candidacy maybe maybe not like with Obama, for example, there was a ton of hope and change. We got some, much less so than we thought, though, I I, I think is a fair uh, assessment or consensus thought on that. But will voting for the status quo bring about any change? I think absolutely not. So think about that when you head to the polls on April 19th, folks. And um, but yeah, more on if you want more on John Molden, uh, check out his website. It's Molden, and it's spelled M A U L D I N, Economics dot com, and the link is in the episode notes. The newsletter of his again, which again is filled with tons of information that I cannot do justice to, is Thoughts from the Frontline and. Uh, I definitely recommend you guys checking it out if you're into that type of shit. Now, one thing that I do want to bring up uh, regarding the elections, one last point, is that uh, just there's a slew of different polls out there, right? If you listen to podcasts like 538, they explain how uh, deviation between polls is huge, huge, like Donald Trump would say huge and uh you know pollsters are like fucking meteorologists or some are more than others i guess they're like fucking the weatherman you know they'll tell you tomorrow's gonna be between 20 degrees and 88 degrees so it's like what the fuck do i wear shorts or do i wear my fucking north face um but that said and that caveat out there take this with a grain of salt certain recent polls show that bernie sanders Uh, it's Bernie beating a Okay, certain polls show that Hillary versus, uh, let's say a Trump or a Ted Cruz, would win by one or two percent margin, whereas Bernie Sanders versus the same Trump or Cruz, uh, would win between an eight and ten percent margin. But a lot of people still say that he's not electable. Uh, I think that's that's something that's perpetuated, obviously, uh, throughout the media, which is really fucking scary, by the way. Mainstream media, the way that uh, this is, uh, election has been covered, and and uh, especially certain uh, debates and the outcomes of certain debates. I watch, uh, listen to a lot of the Young Turks, which I I think you know they have their their uh, liberal slant, but. They show you or give you all of the content 
for example, they'll do uh, like live election, uh, live uh, debate coverage, right? They'll listen uh, to the, and watch the debate as you are and comment on it, et cetera, and speak, you know, in between on commercial breaks and stuff like that, speak about it. And they show the difference between how, let's say the next day, they'll say they'll, you know, pull out certain positive talking points from Hillary, negative talking points from from uh, Bernie. And, you know, that it'll be on newspapers, you know, Hillary, you know, won handily and stuff like that. Um, when it was really like a much closer debate or there was one debate in particular where where Bernie demolished Hillary, like demolished, like he bodied her. Like if it was a, a battle rap, he three odor. But on the cover of newspapers the next day, it was uh, Hillary stumbled but pulled off the victory in last night's debate. Blah blah blah, and that's just the political machine behind Hillary. The the that's just politics at work. But it's scary for just to think of people that just see that and just you know they'll go behind that like oh Hillary Hillary Hillary, and it, it's it's fucking scary and it's kind of nutty. And I'm definitely not saying that I don't have, you know, my slants and my, uh, you know, I'm not seeing everything completely unfiltered and stuff like that. Obviously, I am. Um, we all are. Everything we see is coming through the lens of, of someone. And um, but if you're just sticking to like Fox News or just sticking to CNN, and you're not like reading things on your own or witnessing them um, in their entirety on your own or going through like online uh, news publications like uh, Young Turks or Al Jazeera or, or whatever, then you're that mu- that that much further removed from the truth. And there's something that I heard recently on uh, Sam, uh, Sam Harris's Waking Up podcast. It was the Meat Without Misery episode, which I actually did not agree with. And I'm going to paraphrase this. It could be off, but I remember him saying something to the effect of Republicans are focusing on Hillary because she is the bigger threat um, because they, in essence, would just have to convince 51% of the population that Bernie is a communist, which would be easy to do. And that's why they're not even focusing on him and they're just focusing on Hillary. I think that the Republicans are more, maybe even more so worried about Bernie to the point that they are being dismissive about him because they don't want to give him any attention. Everybody assumes that Hillary is going to be the the nominee, and she very well might be, but everyone assumes that she's going to be, and they're going with that. They want that, and that's why they're there. You know, and and if you hear any of the of the Republican debates, they always speak as if Bernie doesn't exist and as if. Hillary has already been the uh, Democratic nominee. And they're saying, you know, when I, I'll take on Hillary Clinton and this and that and blah, 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 blah. I personally think that they're just pandering to that fact of, you know, wanting it to be uh, Hillary more so than, than Bernie. Because Bernie, you know, like the excitement, if you want to call it that, that Trump has within the Republican Party and um, a large amount of voters apparently uh, throughout all uh, these uh, caucuses and primaries that we're seeing the outcomes of the what he has his main thing that he has going for him in my opinion is 
just the fact that he has that fuck it factor and he has that anti-establishment factor. Bernie has that on the Democratic side, but with a bit more sanity to him. So I think that's a dangerous mix for um, the the Republicans, which why certain polls do show Bernie beating Trump by a margin of 8 to 10 percent, whereas uh, Hillary would beat him uh, by a margin of 1 to 2 percent, supposedly. So whatever take all that with the with the grain of salt folks just like everything else i say now with the possibility with what we were speaking about before right with uh, uh the federal reserve and negative stress tests and 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 stuff like that and the fact that there's a, po- a strong possibility of a deep recession uh between 2016 and 2019 we need to be very careful and I think very cognizant of who we want manning the ship or womaning the ship <laughs> when and if that time comes with how testy the world is lately, both, you know, economically and, and how plagued we are with wars and terrorism and all the negative shit going on. Our next president, the actions that our next president takes and has to implement and the hard decisions that they're going to have to make may very well set the tone and set the stage and set the trajectory of our country for the next couple decades. Strong, important, fundamentally sound decisions will have to be made. So I want to announce my candidacy for the United States. No, I'm joking. Um... All right, so that's pretty much all the political, geoeconomic, political stuff that I wanted to bore you guys with. Unless you should. I think of anything else a little bit later. Um, now, to a lighter note, the Scrivener feature that I mentioned in the intro a little while ago. Now, Scrivener's a writing program that I first heard of from Joanna Penn from the Creative Penn podcast and in an interview that she did with someone who who uh, wrote an ebook on how to use Scrivener and stuff like that. And I checked it out. It's a pr- fairly inexpensive program. I figured, you know, what's the it was a th- I want to say 40 bucks, uh, 40 or 60 bucks, something like that. And I figured, you know, worst case scenario, it'll have a little, a few bells and whistles that Microsoft Word does not have. And, um, you know, if, you know, that's worst case. So is that worth 40, 60 bucks? Probably not. But uh, according to, you know, all the later reviews that I read about it and how, you know, a bunch of authors swear by it and stuff like that, um, I decided to check it out. And I'm very, very glad that I did. It's like, I wouldn't know how to explain. Before, I used to use Microsoft Word, right, exclusively, like, to, to write shit. Um, and obviously, I do a lot of, like, freehand writing, but I mean, like, in terms of uh, computer-wise or digitally. And I wouldn't even be able to begin to explain how, and I'm sure fellow, uh, like, writers or creative types uh, may agree with this, some more than others because everybody has a different process but i wouldn't be able to start to explain how your mind 
is working and how it's flowing and how it's jumping from one thing to the next when you're in that zone of writing and creating or painting or whatever it is that you're into. And um, Microsoft Word, obviously, is very, it's, you know, white sheet of paper and everything is is pretty much, it's kind of like linear. Now, Scrivener has that ability, has that feature, you know, it gives you a white blank page you could type just like you do in Microsoft Word, but you have all this extra other shit too. And um, sometimes stuff like that turns me off because like seems like too technical and, and you know, I got to, you know, do some HTML coding and shit like that to bring up another page or some crazy shit like that. You know what I mean? Like that's where my mind goes with um, when there's too much shit going on sometimes. But it's very not like that. It's very functional. It's very helpful. And it kind of works with that type of uh mentality or that type of the it gives you that functionality that you need that aids that type of thinking when you're kind of like erratic and all over the place for like why you're writing and you get an idea for a different character but you're not up to that scene yet in your head and you have to go in sequence before you lose the uh the flow of, of the dialogue that you they you working on between another two characters and stuff like that like it works with you and it allows you to like pop up other pages and and click on a cork board and it gives you like a dope cork board view of different things and ideas that you could play around with and move around and you can literally take one scene and like drag it before another screen like on the cork board and then when you switch to the like microsoft word looking view like everything is in line with how you just moved it and you don't have to do cut and paste and you don't have to do that type of of shit um it's really fluid fluid is the perfect word to describe it and the only way to really get it is to just try it and use it. And I was like, fuck it, 40, 60 bucks, whatever it is, I'll do it. And the kicker is that, you know, for formatting, which by formatting, I mean, once you write something, you, let's say you want to produce uh, an actual ebook, you know, you want to put your book out there and, uh, you know, available in a Kindle or something like that. You just can't upload you know, you could use other services that, you know, you could upload your Microsoft Word doc to or a PDF or something like that, and they'll format it for you. And some are free and some you have to pay for. Uh, but Scrivener does all that shit for you, whether you want to format it into an ebook format um, with clickable table of contents. Um, if it's a paperback format, then you know how the, how let's say the left page and the right page, uh, the left page of a book has the gutter on the right hand side like by the spine of the book has to be you know thicker than the other margin on the other side and the exact you know mirror opposite for the page on the right hand side uh like all that type of shit it formats it for you it organizes does that for you and um just that alone is worth 40 or 60 bucks whatever the fuck it is and you have it you know once and forever i saw this really cool feature once on a uh, uh, YouTube uh, Scrivener tutorial that I was watching um, when I wanted to when I first got it or whatever or actually before I got it because I wanted to see if it's something that I would be interested in and I didn't use it until now because I normally write a lot of the shit that I write is is a nonfiction but I do write some fiction if you guys check out my short stories at spuntoday.com forward slash short stories you can see some of them anyway there's one I thought short story, which now turned into, uh, it's a novella now, which might eventually expand to a fucking novel. 
uh, because it's just getting bigger and I'm not through the story yet. And um, so it could technically be the first novel that I work on. And this feature within Scrivener is super dope for character development. And I'm very visual with certain things. And this is one of those things that has definitely helped me move the story along because it, it puts it in a nice visual uh, format that you can actually see. So what it is is that it gives you the ability to write a a character sheet, I believe it's called. And um, it pretty much it, it, it tells you to point out what the person's role is in the story, what it, it starts off with like character name then what the person's role is in the story and which is important to define um so you know the, you shouldn't have not you shouldn't do whatever the fuck you want to do but uh a lot of authors believe that you should every person in a story serves a purpose or every scene or every act serves a particular purpose and that purpose should be defined and each plot point or each person or each conversation or each whatever is serving a purpose to move your your the uh move you from point a to point b from one plot plot point to the next so if you have a person in a story that you just you know felt like putting in there but then you try to define what the person's role is in the story that is an indication there that that's not like a strong character or that you should develop that character more or whatever Right, so it makes you define that like right from the jump. And what's cool about Scrivener is that you have like the story, and but like on the left hand side, you have like this margin where you can click on different things, like different tabs, like a research tab, and then you could pull up, you know, stuff from the internet and stuff like that and store it in there, or pictures or whatever and store it in there. And it's all in your research tab, and you can like file a fax your way through it. And, you know, then go right back into the story without having to open up multiple screens and like shit like that. It's really um, visually uh, appealing that way. So then it asks you things like the person's height and and their weight and, you know, uh, describe their appearance. Which if you're like me, and I know most all of you are that, that are into writing in any way, you those are things that you visualize, but you don't necessarily write, you know, so-and-so woke up today and was wearing a black t-shirt with some green and blue pajama pants and, you know, walked to the bathroom and their green flip-flops. You know what I mean? Like those are certain things that you don't necessarily describe or write about, but you do visualize them. So actually putting certain character traits like this on paper is a method to develop and give depth to your character and give them like a realer feeling and you know it goes into other things like mannerisms and um you know like with that i find myself saying oh yeah this motherfucker has like a nervous tick that he's always you know has like restless leg syndrome and he's always like tapping his right leg up and down up and down and um like that's something that i visualize but never wrote down within this particular story that i'm working on uh, but it just helps me define the type of character that that person is. You know, it gives that person like a little more realism and shit like that. I feel comes out 
in the actual story once the story is like said and done and i want to say the first person that i like i've always heard of like character development you should you know write a little bit about where your character has come from so that it so that depth because that depth it's perceived that that depth is perceived rather in the actual story but i never like it never really sank in or like hit home for me until i saw a documentary that's on youtube of uh, jk rowling which is the lady that wrote harry potter books as most of you probably know and um she in that interview there's like a a moment like towards the end where the interviewer um or a documentarian asks her you know what happened to so-and-so in the story and she goes on like a like a five or ten fifteen minute rant about who in the story had kids with each other and this person broke up with that person because they got married they had an affair with the next door neighbor and then they split up but then their kids wound up going to the same high school and this person's kid was was best friends with that person who happened to be cousins with so-and-so and dumbledore this and harry potter that and it's like she had these whole elaborate lives made up like in her head like they were like that's the trajectory that their lives went in like that's how deeply rooted those characters were and how alive they were for her and I thought that was so dope and so amazing to have that type of of that level of caring about what you're doing about your craft to put that level of depth into something. And again, this is a tool within Scrivener that allows you to lay the groundwork for that type of thinking. And my favorite thing, um, and I'll end it with this. My favorite thing about that is that when you switch to cork board view, which is pretty much like in the, you know, you can have like index cards for those of you that like writing, you know, plot points on index cards and then filling in in between. Um, it allows you to switch to cork board view and it gives you like a realistic looking cork board with thumbtacks and everything. And then each character sheet had, you can add a picture to them. So uh, the advice was of this one author that uses Scrivener was to use known actors that you know or people that fit the description or how you visualize that character to be and then actually seeing them like the photo of them for the actual character helps you know bring that story to life for you as you're writing it and um just gives you again like another layer of depth into the story so i have like um for one you know like a bunch of pictures for different you know it could be famous people you know you know the caprio like whatever if you picture your character as a blonde blue-eyed fucking dude or or whatever you know and you can actually you know grab pictures from the internet stick them on there and say you know this is robert in my story and he's played by dylan mcdermott um and that's how i visualize him and then you have all the characters in the story um side by side and picture with the description of of you know stuff that they went through in life like certain important things that you think shaped their personality as well as you know colleges that they went to and stuff that might be insignificant but that that you feel make up that person and i think that's pretty dope and pretty cool and it's a very cool feature 
that you guys should consider trying and working with if that's the type of shit that you're into. Yo, these podcasts fly by when I'm doing them. God damn. Sometimes, like, I start, I'm like, fuck, I only have, like, a few things that I want to speak about. And when I look at the fucking clock, it's already been 45 minutes. Either I ramble a lot of unnecessary bullshit or I'm just underestimating the amount of shit that I had to speak about. All right, so... YouTube is the shit, isn't it? Let's wrap it up on a lighter note. Um, YouTube is dope. YouTube is awesome. I love watching YouTube videos, uh, especially now. I really like the direction that it's going in with all these, all you know, like individual uh, channels. Uh, I guess they always had channels, but I guess reputable outlets are you know finding you know youtube videos profitable enough to not just release certain things that they have on their you know tv stations and stuff like that but to make youtube only uh content which is pretty dope and um two of those shows are uh the ones that i mentioned in the intro first one is dana white's looking for a fight via the ufc channel on youtube which is pretty much Dana White, which is the president of the UFC, along with Matt Serra, who is an ex-UFC champion. I retired now uh, from Long Island. And um, he is actually, Chris Weidman trains under him um, out in Long Island under uh, uh, Serra BJJ, under his uh, jiu-jitsu school or whatever. And... Uh, some other dude called the tooth they call him i forget his real name but he's missing a tooth so they call him the tooth and it's three dudes that if you know if you know for example like matt sarah and and um dana white's personalities they're funny italian like uber italian well i don't even know if dana white's italian i don't think he is but matt sarah's like italian guinea italian um And he has that cool, funny Guido personality. Um, and, you know, Dana White has this over-the-top personality also. But seemingly nice dudes that are, you know, very much so about their, their business in the fight game. And they go pretty much uh, across the country to smaller, small uh, fighting venues that exist all throughout the country you know in little small nowhere towns and very very small tiny outfits some of which i don't even think it's sanctioned uh just because you see like weird um weight uh differentials uh between between opponents uh like too much of a disparity so it's like who the fuck sanctioned this fight who got paid off to sanction it um anyway so they go around these towns and, you know, it could be, like, in middle America or, like, wherever, throughout the country, right? They go to different places. And while they're at those places, they also do, um, you know, cool, weird, different shit that they don't normally do, either in New York or Boston, where where they're from. So, something, for example, is, like, they went somewhere in the Midwest and they went, um, you know, they milked the goat and they went sheep herding um they were in louisiana they went um those 
I don't know, those fucking boats that have like a big round fan behind them. They're like in the swamp. And they went, they did that shit and with fucking finding crocodiles and stuff like that while they were there. Um, they went to Philly and they went to get cheesesteaks and to make cheesesteaks at, um, I think it was Gino's. Um, what else? What else? What else? They, they do, they do stuff like that. Like, I guess like touristy type shit, but just shit that isn't available or around where they're from, which is pretty cool to see, you know, different shit like that. But they also, you know, go to these small outfits and watch sick fights. Uh, some of them are sick. Some of them are just like very, very amateurish. Um, but pretty much if they like someone, they scout them and, you know, offer them a UFC contract sage northcutt which is up and coming you know he was he up until his last fight uh, which he had which he lost he got choked out too which you know it came out that he had the flu and he was winded and wound up getting choked out whatever um whatever you know fights a fight you lose you lose he he's this up and coming guy that has i guess like a push behind the machine because he seems like a very marketable looking surfer dude uh, but that could fight. He was like nine and zero before his last his last uh, loss, and uh, he's fighting again in one of the upcoming cards. But Sage Northcutt was found in one of these these um, through this show, and he's like a known star. You know, it's not like Biralata, like nobodies or something like that 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 um, that they're picking up. It's pretty cool. It's interesting. Oh, one of the things they did, which I thought was sick, was that they went to. I forgot what town they were in, but they went to, I don't know if it was a jail or just like a police precinct or something like that, and they got tased. They wanted to get tased for some reason. I think Dana White wanted to get tased or see what it's like to, what it feels like to to get tased, so all three of them had to do it, and um, they got tased, and it was nuts to see. Um they all just instantly drop to the floor and start twitching and shit. Um, that was funny. But yeah, uh, there's a link in the episode notes. Again, it's called Dana White looking for a fight on YouTube. And you guys should check it out. Now the last episode, the last, uh, uh, show that I'm going to speak about. I think I spoke about it before, but Action Bronson's Fuck That's Delicious. I just saw it recently a, a few more episodes. Like, the first time I stumbled upon it, um, I remember I binge-watched, like, a whole bunch, and it was dope. I had heard of Action Bronson before, but I didn't even know who he, who he was. You know, I couldn't, like, tell you any of his songs or anything like that, um, but I knew he was a rapper. I just didn't know who he was, and uh, he's another dude that I, I enjoy watching. And he's from Queens, which is dope. And um, uh, I enjoy his show. And uh, he's a, a chef who pretty much broke his leg or something like that. And that, no. Was he a chef first or a rapper first? I think he was always a rapper. And then he broke his leg. So he couldn't rap for a while. Then he got into cooking and became a, a, a real live chef and um really into cooking and then continued rapping after that or vice versa some shit like that there's some sort of like he broke his leg and he had to do the other thing whatever it was and um vice picked up a show of his uh, or vice is putting out the show called fuck that's delicious and he pretty much goes around 
uh, to different places, different uh, spots, and eats good food or seemingly good food and tries to put you on to food in different places. And I like when he does, uh, when he goes through like stops in Queens, like um, Eddie's Sweet Shop on Metropolitan, which is a dope spot I've been to a couple times. Uh, great ice cream. Um, and it's like a, it's a staple in the neighborhood. It's been around, I think, for over a hundred years, passed down from generation to generation type of joint. And they have the original uh, cash register that they've always had. And a lot of the decor seems to be the same because it looks old as fuck. But the ice cream is just, it's like homemade ice cream. It's really good. They give you tons of it. And it's like a sit down ice cream place. You go to and, you know, sit down like you would at a restaurant and just eat fucking sundaes and different milkshakes and like stuff like that. Um, he went to like a place in the city called Italy. Uh, which is actually right by my old college, Baruch, and um, on like 23rd or 24th or something like that. And I always thought that place was a fucking, was, I know it was huge, but I always thought it was just like a, like a Whole Foods or like supermarket or something like that. But it's that, it's called Italy, um, with E-A-T, Italy, but E-A-T in front of it. Um, but it has, you know, you could, eat there also it's like a restaurant in there it has like a beer garden on the second floor it's like really big and it has like imported authentic pastas and 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 cheeses and meats and stuff like that um seems interesting much more interesting now what else like he goes down south and eats soul food but like he does stuff like that but then he'll also go to white castle and get fucking uh white castle sliders and stack them up in a certain way and it's just funny and um he went to his aunt's house and they made uh um armenian uh traditional baklava the armenian what is he yeah armenian um his cousin uh body i thought was annoying as fuck but he grew on me and he's he's really funny dude also and um i just love that they big up queens a lot you know brooklyn a lot of like neighborhood hemlock fulton like areas that i know you know what i mean and that i've been to and that i live like close by um it's pretty cool to see so definitely check that out it's called action bronson's fuck that's delicious via the vice channel and um i think you guys will enjoy that also and again there's a link in the episode notes to one of those episodes and you know the way youtube works once you open up one episode you see a whole bunch of the other ones up on the right hand side and that's pretty much it folks that is the episode for this week episode number 44 of the Swan today podcast i'm your host tony ortiz thank you again very much for listening i really appreciate it I definitely want you guys to check out my newsletter. Sign up for it at sponsor.com forward slash subscribe. I put out the first of its kind uh, this week on Monday, a few days ago, a couple days ago. It's called the Midday Monday Boost Letter. Midday Monday Boost Letter. And you get it every Monday at noon, midday, 12 p.m. If you're interested. And what it is, is it's modeled after Tim Ferriss' Five Bullet Friday, which I thought 
was dope. I think it is dope. I enjoy getting his weekly newsletter. And, um, you know, his is five bullet points of, you know, different things that he's into, whether it's a song. Um, he has a quote on there also, which I borrowed that as well because I'm into quotes. Um, what else does he have? He has, like, recent purchases, stuff that he bought recently that he that he likes, that he's feeling. And I pretty much modeled it after that, you know, a, a quick weekly newsletter where I can share certain things that um, resonated with me uh, for that past uh, past week and uh, things that I'm into. So you guys know that I'm into photography. So what this Midday Monday Boost letter and I want to do it on a Monday to one, you know, not completely bite off of Tim's Five Bullet Friday idea, but to kind of set up you know give a little boost to the week you know motivate you and myself you know by doing this um to have a better more positive week and this is what it includes a photo of the week which is just you know a dope random photo that i see on either instagram or twitter or wherever and this one happened to be one that i was looking at uh, photos from the uh hubble telescope and there was a sick photo that it took of it. They called it Mystic Mountain of some galaxy far, far away, whatever. You guys could check it out if you're interested. Um, a Then you get So you get a photo of the week. That's the first thing you'll see. You get a podcast of the week. It's just a dope podcast. I listen to tons and tons and tons of podcasts, like a literally a sickening amount of podcasts. There's dozens of different podcasts that I listen to. Um, so some of them I really enjoy and it may not be, you know, the regular, you know, Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, uh, um, NPR podcasts or whatever that you may be accustomed to, you know, there's some obscure ones that I listen to and sometimes they're dope episodes. So I just, uh, tell you what episode it is and, uh, share the links with you guys. And if you're interested, you can check it out. Then... I also share a video of the week. This could be, you know, a two-minute video, a three-minute video, or like last week I shared a rap battle, which was a, a really dope uh, battle between Iron Solomon and uh, Disaster, which I thought was really cool. And I share that. And then I have a quote of the week, which is just a dope quote that resonated with me. And this past week, the quote was, do your thinking independently be the chess player not the chess piece and that's by ralph shirell and um last but not least is a word of the week i like words you know everything is words writing is words songs are words movies are words everything is words communication is words so um i've always had a habit of just writing down dope words that i hear that i'm like oh what does that mean and i look up the meaning of it and i like it or I just like the way it sounds or whatever. So, uh, for example, this past week, the word was uh, obfuscate, O-B-F-U-S-C-A-T-E, which means to render obscure, unclear, or unintelligible. Obfuscate. So expand your vocabulary, folks, like I'm trying to. So, yeah, sign up for the newsletter at sponsor.com forward slash subscribe, and you'll get this email once a week. It's just those five things will be in it. And if it's something that you think you might like, check it out. Please subscribe to it. 
As always, you can support the podcast by going to sponsor.com forward slash affiliate links and shopping using my Amazon banner or the iTunes banner and just doing your shopping like normal. And that'll help out a lot. The main way that you can help support the podcast is to rate and review it on iTunes and or Stitcher or your favorite podcatcher. I would really appreciate it if you did that. Follow me on all social social media at Spunt Today. Check out my book uh, that I mentioned earlier. It's called Make Way For You, Tips For Getting Out Of Your Own Way. It's pretty much a collection of self-motivating thoughts and ideas that helped kick me in my own ass to write that book, basically, and to actually want to pursue uh, writing in a more serious way and less of a whimsical kind of uh, write whenever I feel like writing type of you know, type of thing. Just, uh, I don't know, make it more of a concrete goal, more of a um, full-time hobby, if you will. You can check that out at spuntoday.com forward slash books. And it is available via kindle uh, or a paperback copy if you if you want to order one on amazon and for anyone who can't afford it for whatever reason it's like three bucks for the digital copy and seven bucks for the paperback copy um but for anyone who can't afford it for whatever reason at the bottom of the page spuntray.com forward slash books there's an option to request a free PDF copy of it. And it's not a sample or anything like that. It's the full book, but it's in PDF form. It's not going to be, you know, have the functionality of a Kindle where you can, you know, click on on different uh, table of contents tabs and go to different pages and bookmark shit and highlight stuff and stuff like that. It's going to be like a straight PDF, but um it's free so you can't bitch about that if you want one just hit me up through there and i will gladly send you a copy and hopefully it helps motivate you the same way it helped motivate me and that's pretty much it folks that's the episode again episode number 44 of the spun today podcast i'm your host tony ortiz and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams Thanks for listening.